This is the Shift Podcast. On the Shift Daily Podcast, we share some stories with Kuljeet Bumbra. Bumbra is a friend and former co-worker that helps us understand his Sikh faith and growing up as a Canadian with two names. Plus, we have a colleague named Nitu Gausha. Nitu, Nitu Gausha. The whole point is we're trying to work to say these things properly. And she shares how she's changed her name from an anglicized version to the proper Punjabi pronunciation. All of these things, Steve Stebbing, in case you missed it, and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. In case you missed it on the radio, here's O'Donnell. Oh my, it's going to be one of those. You don't want to know what was bleeped out. Let's uh, let's hop right in because Shane, you brought this forth to me today, and I think that this particular joke is going to sit with so many of you because if you've worked retail, you know the pain, and these TikToks are painfully accurate. Good morning. I'm Ryan O'Donnell with today's TikTok. 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 If you have ever worked retail, you know the highs, but most often lows of the job. I found when my experience working retail, which I'll get into more in a little bit, uh, the best part of it was the people you work with. For the, usually, I got really lucky with the people I worked with that would help you make light of when you got yelled at for doing one little thing wrong or feeling like you weren't being treated as a normal human being but as a, you know, robot working for a video game or a music store. Now, this guy, this guy's name is Scott Cease, I believe that's how you say his name. He works retail at Ikea, and he has taken it upon himself to film these situations of himself where he hilariously gives specific attention to individual moments and phrases and general behavior that many retail workers will have to get used to. And if you've worked retail, you will understand exactly what they are. So let's get a couple of them here. These are some of the my favorite ones. You should open up more registers and who's going to work them? You think I'm the only one ringing you up because I called dibs? You want me to clone myself or are you saying you want to apply? You see, we're shorthanded. Where's your resume? I can't believe they have you working Thanksgiving. I can't believe you're shopping. Why do you think I'm here? It's because of you. I have to stand here for 15 hours so you can yell at me instead of your family. I work retail. I don't even remember what Thanksgiving is. Oh, man. (laughs) That second one is so true. Uh, I remember vividly working at HMV on, on New Year's and... Uh, a guy walking in and going, oh, man, you got to work on New Year's? And I went, yep, because you're here. And then he proceeded to yell at me because I couldn't give him another season of Heartland for a double deal. Uh, nice guy. <laughs> this one, though, this is the one I relate to the most. Do you have any coupons for me? That's what I ask you. We all have our roles to play. Wait, you think you just found a cheat code for the store? Oh, yeah, I keep a few 100% offs back here for the smart customers. Bring your own scan. Oh. Oh, I feel that one. Working in an electronics store, 
all the time. Somebody brings up an $80 game. It's like, hey, you can knock it down a little bit for me. You got any coupons back there? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I've always been amazed by that question, by the way. What amazes you about it? Well, that people, when people walk into the store, I mean, there's usually a, some of them have big bulletin boards at the front with the coupons anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? So not only could you subscribe to the email, not only could you clip them out of the paper or whatever else, not only could you get an app that just tells you what they are, not only could you do any of those things that give you free access to save money, you get to the till and then you expect someone else to do it for you. I find it mind-blowing. I mean, I'm all for frugality. That's crazy. But it's like, it's so funny because they come up and they'll ask for the coupon I'll say no, and then I'll say, I'll tell you how you can save 15% on your purchase today, and then they'll go, no. It's only if there's a coupon. If there's no work involved, I'll take the deal. But if there's work involved, gone. Donezo. Wow. I'll, I'll never forget. Although, oh. Well, keep finish your thought. I was yeah, just going to say, I'll never forget when I was working at EB Games my first year, my manager, Sheldon, he was standing at the till. This guy comes up. And there was a box deal where you got the PlayStation camera and a game for $90. But the uh, sticker on it said 60 because it was advertising the game, not the camera. And the guy goes up and goes, 60? Sheldon just looks him dead in the eye, like dead in the eye. And just immediately goes, 90. 60. 90, bud. We can both see it's 60. No, bud. It's 90, or you can get the bleep out of my store. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, Whoa. you know, I'm 16, 15 years old. I'm like, go, Sheldon, go. And then the guy left. <laughs> it was great. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, good He's for him. Um, I was going to say it is cool when you go to Michael's. Michael's usually has a discount code, and, you, like, you have the app. You just basically go look on the app. And you, if you say to them, you just say, do you know Do you know if there's any good codes right now? They'll be like, yep, there are. And then you go there and do that. But when you go to Bed Bath & Beyond, you have to have the scannable code from your email or else they won't give you the deal. Mm-hmm. So it's different everywhere you go. Some make it easy, some do not. No. Now, speaking of deals, let's talk about grocery shopping. Oh, I'm interested. Earlier in the show, yes, Brendan has <laughs> just got a big smile on his face. Yeah, Brendan's yeah. ready to go. So Brendan admitted that he purchased groceries online for the first time i purchase my groceries like you know chef's plate i do the boxes of meals but i saw this headline and we might be getting played a little bit here guys so while grocery shopping online is insanely convenient which you cannot deny that global's consumer matters reporter and drua she looked into this and there can be some costs extra little costs sprinkled in there let's get it Instead of making the trip here, walking down the aisle and standing in line, for some, the convenience of grocery shopping from the comfort of your home is more appealing, saving time and the cost of gas. But before you click away, consider those delivery fees. The delivery time window for when your groceries are dropped off at your door can impact delivery fees and often vary by time slot. Short delivery time windows will often cost you more, while longer delivery windows can cut those fees in half. Free delivery is often an option, but drop-off times can be less flexible. 
When it comes to shopping online, keep in mind the price of items are based on your scheduled day of delivery. Some items are subject to deal expiration dates. Everybody needs fresh food. That's why we deliver it to your door. Then there's Instacart, a grocery and delivery pickup service partnered with participating retailers. It involves a customer ordering groceries and the shopping is done by a personal shopper. Instacart has several fees, including delivery fees. Instacart Express members get free delivery on orders over $35 per retailer. Service fees, which go towards operational costs, and a heavy fee for, well, you guessed it, heavy items. There's also the option of tipping. 100% goes directly to the shopper delivering your order. Also, retail partners set the item prices on the Instacart marketplace, which means prices on the Instacart site may vary from in-store and may be higher in some instances. When we compared prices, we found this 4-liter jug of 2% milk on Instacart was $5.10, compared to going directly online to a major grocery retailer at $4.65. This brick of butter on Instacart, $5.65 compared to $5.15 when shopping online directly with the individual grocery store. Instacart is here to help. While coupons and in-store discounts are sometimes available on Instacart, Instacart also states some in-store sales and promotions may not apply. Wow. So it seems to me to make sense to either do curbside pickup if you drive. Yep. Uh, and that's a very small fee because then you're paying the, the online price for those foods. Uh, or use the grocery store themselves specific delivery Kind of like we look at it with pizza and skip the dishes and everything else, right? Sometimes okay. when you order a pizza and you get their their pizza person to deliver it, you know, you save some money. So, huh, does that change your your notion there, Brendan, Mr. Online yeah, Grocery Shopper? Yeah, you a little cheated. Well, actually, the one thing um, that they noted for me was that all the fees were waived because it was my first order. Um, so the delivery is free. The only thing extra on top was a tip. Um, I have a feeling that when I do this next time, it'll probably be a little bit more than it was, but I ended up not spending much more than I actually, I found I spent less because I never impulse, like I didn't impulse buy anything like I would when I'm Mm -hmm. at the store. Wandering the aisles, right? Seeing the cookies. Yep. What's your, what's your impulse purchase then? Come on, fess up. What is it? My impulse purchase is see I'm such a I'm such a like dork it's cliff bars. Like that's as bad as I get these days. I, I don't eat <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's pretty boring. I know. <laughs> that, All right, Ryan, what's your impulse bad. purchase then? Um like chicken wings made in store. Like oh, you know, really? you like walk hot by and, and the, the like hot and cooked. Yeah, I mean I love chicken wings and you have no idea how much I miss wing nights. Oh my god, really, I miss hey? them so much. Yeah, so just to have my own little surprise wing. We need to get you an air fryer. I'm telling you. Yeah, I've I've thought about it because I've I've been making fries with with my dinners and putting them in the oven, and they just get stuck to the tin foil, and I keep forgetting to buy parchment paper, and the fries are never cooked properly. Yep. So there's it would make more. I've sense got them tonight. For an air fryer. Tonight, uh, coming up tonight, mm-hmm. I'm going to make fries uh, here at the Hewitt House, and um, yep. and I'm going to make wings in the air fryer so i will send you the photos now i make like a ton because there's three of us right so it's basically we're cooking for two hours in that thing nonstop. but i will show you what it is okay uh i go to i used to buy just the regular wings like from costco season them and do mm-hmm. them but i would um now i buy the seasoned one from costco because they're quite good 
And then I just I bake them in there and do the fries in there and then keep them warm in the oven. And I'll send you pictures tomorrow. And then you can tell us if you think it's worth it. Because I know air fryers kind of get the, the Karen the Karen of all cooking things. But they're fantastic, I tell you. Yeah, everybody's my impulse, on the trend. My impulse purchase, uh, probably pepperoni sticks. Mm, I feel that. I will always Definitely. buy the pepperoni sticks. Maybe the potato chips. The potato chips are also tend to be impulsy for me. I always buy chips. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I but I've been chips. buying veggie chips. I found a really good brand of veggie chips. They're actually insanely good. Uh, so maybe a little bit more healthy? Probably not. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about this. This this is wild. Like this is the kind of thing where you go, technology needs to chill. Do we really need this? Audi, the car brand. Audi is responsible for making one of my favorite cars ever, the R8. That is what an engine is supposed to sound like, people. Oh, my God, I love that car. Now, imagine you're getting into the brand new concept, Audi A6, and instead of hearing that... You hear this. Mario Kart <laughs> The Audi nice. A6 e-tron is currently in development, and it will feature some crazy LED headlights that can project footage and video games in front of it. These are some crazy... Wow crazy headlines so uh car wow on youtube they got to check the car out and i'll let them describe how the headlamps work before i tell you why a video game is possible the daytime running lights are made up of three rows of customizable leds so they can show all sorts of patterns and animations and audi's also added special projectors all around the car there are some on the sides under the doors that can be messages onto the pavement and there are more at the front that project arrows on the ground when you indicate to warn pedestrians that you're about to turn. So that's really cool. The idea that, you know, you're waiting, that's very cyberpunky. You know, you go up to an intersection and you see flashing on the ground, this car is turning left. I think that's a really great idea. But Smart. why Mario Kart? Well, while parked in this video, the user takes out their smartphone which they then use it as a controller for a spaceship racing game that is projected from the car's headlamps to the wall in front of them. Wow. Now, why? This is what made me laugh. <laughs> and Shane, I know you're going to love this. Audi is pitching this idea as a way to give the car owners something to do while the A6 e-tron's battery is charging. <sighs> <laughs> so imagine that your electric car is charging what are you going to do you need you well, got to kill 10 minutes projective video okay. game on a wall uh can i talk about this now i'm sorry i don't want to interrupt yeah, if you I, got more, this is more why flow. i brought it up i okay, knew you were so going to need to talk go the audi a3 e-tron was a plug-in hybrid which is funny because they were way ahead of the curve on the plug-in hybrids. Then they stopped making them. Now Toyota's making plug-in hybrids, and they're bringing back the e-tron. So it's too bad because it was pretty cool, the A3 e-tron, which was great. The, the Tesla 
has the video games inside the car. Like there's a video game that's on the big screen in the Tesla when you are in park and you're sitting there and you can drive it with the steering wheel like it's the video game, just like they're doing it. But it's not projected on the wall, but you have the screen in front of you. So this sounds like a very gimmicky way to compete with what Tesla has already been doing for a very long time. Exactly. Um, and, and doing it. Now, I don't know if you can open quickly open up your email, Ryan. And look, mm-hmm. there should be an email there for you from me on this okay. topic. Oh, a little um, bit and I want you to open it up. Okay. And uh, and see that picture that's there. Can you see that? Image eight eight JPEG. Mmm, pretty car. It's a beautiful so, R eight. That's the one that I got to drive. No, that's not fair. For, for a day. <laughs> for a whole day? Like not even for a just whole like day. I'll tweet it out. Uh, no, for the whole day. I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet it out um, at uh, the Shift Canada on Twitter so everyone can see how beautiful and remarkable that car is. Wow. Yeah. And it is as crazy to drive as you would imagine, by the way. I imagine. Yeah. It's a beautiful car. Anyway, Audi doing some weird stuff. I can't wait for Ford to announce their new uh, sedan that when you are charging it, it just opens up the dashboard and a chessboard is digitally imprinted right in front of you. And you can learn how to play chess. So there you go. Are cars going to become like phones where they we don't rarely use them for phone calls anymore? We just use the yeah, phone. Do. Yeah, we, uh, I got to go chill. I, I just need a place to unwind. I'm going to go sit in my car and play Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. I uh, All right, I'll take it. Anyway, this I, I want to get to this last story. I've, it's it's pretty quick, so I think we've got time, so let's do it. This, this grinds my gears. And I don't say that lightly because it's a really cringy term, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm getting all riled up, which means it must be a topic I am passionate about. It's not Star Wars, it's not cars, it's sneakers. You know, like sneakers, I could identify. Converse, Adidas, I know all that stuff. I know sneakers. Get ready to hear a business decision. I know sneakers. But get ready to, I don't know why Nike is doing this. It seems that Nike's contract with Kobe Bryant is done. Kobe Bryant's estate is run by his wife, Vanessa. And there was a five-year deal that Nike signed after Mamba Day, right after Nike uh, Kobe retired. And the idea was five years of shoes, brand deals, lots of money. But it's over. Hmm. Now, why is it over? And this is the reason. It is so frustrating, and it is so disappointing. Vanessa basically said, after Kobe died, I want everybody who wants a pair of my husband's shoes to get them. I want them widely available. I want the market to be flooded with Kobe's, which I think is a beautiful thing because Kobe's are hard to find. And Nike said, yeah, okay, we're not going to do it that way. Nike has been re-releasing Kobe sneakers all year since he passed, and they are as limited as they can be. They resell for $600, hmm. $400 online. It's really, they sell out in seconds, and Nike purposely makes limited quantities of them. And when renegotiating this contract, Vanessa said, we want some more money. And more importantly, we want more shoes. Nike said no. And because Nike wants to keep this inflated resale market going, the most, one of the most important athletes in NBA history's legacy with Nike has now been tarnished by a company's greed in this regard. And it's, it is unbelievably disappointing. Um, And I just think of all the kids that grew up with Kobe who want to wear his shoes all throughout their lives. And now 
they might not be able to. Now, there's a chance this could get renegotiated at a different level, but I'm not confident. I don't think Nike's going to change their mind on it. That's a little bit heartbreaking, isn't it? It is. It is. But there is a rumor that they might start a Mamba brand with Kobe's own shoe separate from Nike. He explored that before he passed. So that could be the next step. Well, and that could be it, right? That could be the answer. It's the Shift Podcast. I wanted to introduce you to uh, a man that I know. His name is Kuljeet. Kuljeet and I worked at WestJet together back in the day. That's where we originally met. And uh, Kuljeet is, when you look at him, he looks like the grumpiest son of a bee sometimes. <laughs> and uh, he's the nicest guy in the world. I remember uh, Kuljeet, when we used to work together, he'd be like, the new guys would come in. Uh, the new workers would come in and you'd be, you and I'd be there. We'd be working or whatever. And I'd be like, dude, smile. You're scaring the crap out of these people. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you are, you're one of the most kindest and generous folks. And one of my favorite folks that I work with at our Thank time you, at man. WestJet. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. If I look forward to seeing anybody and hanging out, there was one guy that I always knew had my back and it was uh, Koljit Bumbra. Did I get it right? <laughs> Very close. Bumbra. Bumbra. There Damn you it. go. There Bambra. you go. Kuljit Bambra. Um, that's a proper uh, that's a proper Punjabi, which even Punjabi is anglicized. Um, but the pronunciation of your name, much like Nitu. So the alphabet's different. So some of the letters don't always translate. And in this conversation about Sikh Heritage Month, Kuljit, I wanted to chat a little bit and understand what it's like for a young man. Uh, what it's like for you. So let's start with your name because you do go by Ricky. I've always only ever known you as Kuljeet. And yeah. yet, um, you know, there, there's sort of this these two sides of you. There's this Canadian side of you that is just like a normal Canadian dude. And then you are incredibly proud of your heritage as a beard-wearing, uh, <laughs> turban-wearing Sikh. Um, always. You know, you live that, you live into your faith wholly. So tell me, tell, tell me about what it's like uh, to, to have these sort of two pieces of your life? Honestly, I don't even know where to start. Um, obviously, I'm born and raised in Canada, right? So that's just what my background is. But living in a brown household where my parents are born and raised in India and they moved here at a young age of like around 18 and stuff. And they've had my – my sister was the firstborn. I'm obviously the secondborn. Um and then slowly going from there, like I learned Punjabi first in my household. So Punjabi was my first language. And then my sister ended up learning English and she was the first one to learn English in the household. As a child, my parents already understood and spoke it because they had to work here at their during their teenage years, right? Um, and, uh-oh, hold on, I lost you. There we go, I found you. Um, <laughs> and then at, during that time, uh, I guess she slowly started to pass it forth to me and I learned I learned English I think when I was four or five going back into school and I was probably I guess you could say I didn't speak as much English as the other other, other kids did during that time um, and I was slowly catching on with everybody else and I always found it weird knowing people calling me my name but in a totally different way that I've never heard before but then obviously I just went along with it because it's like I don't at that time I didn't expect everyone to pronounce my name the way we pronounce it at home right 
and and it just catches on. You just get used to it, and then it's just like there's no other way around it, right? Like after that, it's just you're known by Kuljit Bambra instead of Kuljit Bambra, right? So mm-hmm. there's just two different ways of saying it. But I mean, honestly, it's not that I'm offended by it, but it's just sometimes it's nice to be pronunciated enunciated properly, right? Well, seeing the effort of people trying to understand the culture versus the understanding that the alphabet is completely different. Like there are no letters, if you will, that make those sounds in the English language the same. So exactly. Is that kind of how it lands? I mean, there's a little bit of, you know, thanks for showing up and helping me out and trying, but at the same time, I kind of get it because it's not the same. Exactly. Like, again, at the end of the day, like I'm not bothered by it, but it's like, it's always a learning experience for everyone as well. Right. So I, like I like right now we have this conversation and I and I uh, literally enunciated it to you for you to be able to copy properly right but Bamra. hey there you go there you go that was perfect nice. yeah nice. so I love it man I I mean I'm not bothered by it but I do understand that hey listen like sometimes I will I do want to be enunciated properly right my name at the same time though I have a weird yeah. it would not be right for me to call you Ricky. That's the thing. I was lucky enough to be born with two names. So one person wanted me to wanted me to be named Kuljit, and the second wanted me to be named Ricky. Right. So Ricky is kind of kept as a nickname, just at home, like quick name, so they don't have to go by my phone name. But Kuljit is my legal name. Yeah, isn't it interesting? Yeah. Um, you know, I this this conversation was inspired by Gurdip when he had said because we had talked to Gurdip Pander about having um, him back on the show last yeah. month. And he said, well, hey, how about in April? Because it's Sikh Heritage Month. And that's where this sort of ball got rolling. And then when you get into Nithu and and this conversation with Gurdip, and here I am, you know, with you, with the guy that I call my friend, I, um, you know, it is kind of interesting how it all comes together. I do love hearing you sing. Kuljit uh, does sing. And you sing in Punjabi. And, yes, I do. Um, and I love it. And it's, I, I always, uh, I always give you the gears cause I don't think you sing enough. Um, but that being said, being a young man and <laughs> celebrating, uh, Sikh faith in Canada, I, I was curious that perspective, what it's like for you, because you know, when I, I think of, when I think of a, a, a Sikh dude, I think of the old men with the big white beard. I don't think of a, a young man who's living his life and going to college and, and everything else. When I had my big white beard, I was always stopped by, you know, a, a Sikh man with a big white beard, right? They always told, hey, I love your beard, right? And, I, I, uh, and I'm always curious, what's it like for a young man who's growing up trying to live into your family heritage, your faith? Honestly, um, Canada is very diverse, right? So like for me growing old, growing old, <laughs> that's one way to put it. Uh, growing up in Canada is like, I haven't had an issue, right? Um, obviously, there's certain people that you have to deal with sometimes, but it's not an all-the-time situation, right? Everyone's usually friendly, man, and it's like everyone's accepting. So I can walk out on the street and be accepted no matter what, right? And plus, living in the northeast of Calgary, man, it's amazing because you get to meet every single ethnicity there is out there, right? All, all and it's amazing, world. man. Yeah. And I lived it's in amazing. Teradale. My very first house I built was in Teradale. Yeah, you know, and it was, um, you get to meet people from all over the world, which is cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the perfect fit, man. We fit in perfectly. Honestly, I don't, I don't feel left out. 
if you could look at all Canadians about the Sikh faith and say, um, because I don't think Canadians know enough about it. I mean, aside from the turban, yeah. um, my kids asked me one day, they said, well, dad, why, why is that man wearing an orange turban and that guy's wearing a blue one? And I said, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, well, if you just ask him, is there any significance yeah. to the color of your turban and your faith? They're not going to be offended by that. Why don't you just ask the gentleman and he'll probably sit down and tell you. And they were shocked by that. So we did that. And the guy said, nope, no significance really. And um, so if you could choose one thing about uh, about your faith that you wish all Canadians to know, what, what would you what would you think that we need to know as Canadians who don't know your faith? Uh, honestly, that, that's a good question. Um, huh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Honestly, um, one thing, turbans come in all different shapes and sizes. So this would be a patka, but technically it's considered a turban as long as you're covering your hair properly to protect it from debris, dirt, dust, whatever, right? Um, and there's obviously, like, you tie them in a very... You can tie them very big, you can tie them small, right? Um, it's just... And then there's the th thing we have, the starbandi. Like, usually it's around the age of 12, 14, where uh, you go from this style, patka. We, so I call this a patka, but it's considered a turban as well. Um it's just to cover your head where you go from this to tying an actual big turban, right? Um, but they come in all shapes, different sizes. Um, they don't mean different things. It's just different styles of wearing them. That makes sense. It makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, food and community is a big part of your faith. Tell me about the food and making sure everyone has food and the sense of community. Because through COVID, I know that some of the biggest tasks that yeah. uh, the um, the Sikh faith and the Sikhi have taken on, and if I mispronounced that context, please let me know. Um, Sikhi. Sikhi. Thank you. Yeah, very close. Yeah. Perfect. Sikhi I have taken on is in making the community and the food safe through COVID. That's been a real challenge. Yeah. So, again, so we call it the Langar, right? The Langar was began, like, within our first gurus and he's who began the longer and from there forth it's just continued on continued on right and that's what that's what we do we serve we serve as best as you can right um and as a community we always come together in situations like covid um like we had the floods here i think it was five six years ago maybe longer than that mm -hmm. in calgary um seven yeah. eight right yeah. technically this summer yeah. eight yeah eight whoa that's been a while again like we always try to go out of our way as a community to help as much as possible, right? Because that's just, that's who we are. That's what we're taught to do, right? And that's what our basis is about, right? You live and you help and you learn, right? Um, even with that, like with during COVID, like it's been a struggle because you can't have everyone in one place trying to feed them. So what we, so what, we here at the Gardwara off started offering here is uh, we start packing lunches now, packing dinners and starting to hand them out, drive them out to people who are in need and whoever needs more food, more stuff. We have stuff for that. Like they hand out gift cards to grocery stores so you can go grab groceries for your families if you are struggling, right? Just anything and anything, like anything and everything we can do, we will do to try and help. Um, purity, natural, authentic living, 
um, authentic body, authentic heart is the perspective that I've understood with the Sikh faith. Um, tell me about that part of it and the living authentically in all aspects of your life and how it's so important. So in that sense is the generations change, right? So slowly everything evolves, everything modernizes, right? Um, so with that, it's the best authentic self of you. You can be in that situation, right? Trying to be as authentic to others as you are to yourself, as truthful, as honest as you can be, right? And um, honestly, that's just, I, I, I don't know any other way to put it. Like the way you and I interact, right? It's it's authentic to me, right? Like, and if, it, if something doesn't feel authentic, I usually try not to go forth in that scenario, right? Like if I, if I, let's say tomorrow I meet someone and I'm not very, their energies just don't line up with mine. I won't pursue that in a way where, hey, look, uh, we should hang out every day, right? No, I'm not like that. If I don't feel happy or if I don't feel welcomed in such scenarios, right? I probably will not go forth with it. And that's same thing in the community as well, right? Like, they want you to be as authentic, authentically yourself, as true to yourself, as honest to yourself and to others as much as you can be. And that's pretty much the basics of Sikhi as well, right? Uh, your singing is yes. in Punjabi. Yes. It's uh, authentic in, from what I can hear, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's the real deal. Thank you. Um, well, I mean, in that you're not trying yeah. to commercialize it. You're not trying to westernize it. Yeah. Um, you just singing it. Why is, uh, why is singing in Punjabi so incredibly important for you as a young man who, who, uh, you know, is uh, a Canadian born dude who, who lives in his faith. <laughs> so it's funny. Cause so our, our, Guru Granth Sahibji, which in another in English would be a Bible, I guess you could say. Um, our Guru Granth Sahibji is written in poem. Um, I don't know, like poem scripture, I guess you could say. So it's sang. It's not. It's not read. It's sang. So every time you do read it, it is saying. I guess that is the basics of where my singing comes from. And there's also another sing, There's also another saying, um, because Punjabi Sikhs are like a lot of them are farmers. They have to sing louder than the tractors to be able to hear themselves. Well, if fine. that makes sense, totally right. Yeah, totally so that's. Uh, I mean, it's kind of. It's just like a background, right? It's like it's. It brings up your spirits. It makes everyone smile, right? And that's that's the whole. That's the whole point of it. Well, the singing and the bhangra dancing and um, dances of joy and all the pieces that we've seen, if anything, the color um, of the clothing in the festivals and celebrations is just, it's like this magnet for people, right? Like it gets your, it captures your attention and it keeps you. And it's very cool. Um, I want to... Uh, I want to share some of your singing. Okay. Um, so um, can you send me, well, you don't have to do it now if you don't want to, you can do it now if you want to, but I can, we can get you to send me, get me a clip and I will put it in here. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Or you can sing whichever one you want. I don't know. You and, pick, I, I mean, I have a lot of clips on Instagram too, so it's up to you, man. 
You pick. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to grab one. I want to play for everyone one of your singing clips from Instagram. For Is sure. that okay? Can I do that, Kuljeet? Yeah, I'm 100%, 100% down for that. All right. Uh, Kuljeet Bomba is one of the most magnetic, intelligent, kind, badass. And he's badass, let me tell you. Like, he gets the grouchy face. Like, you know he means business. Um, dudes I've ever met. And Kaljeet, I want you to know that. I want you to know that it's been over a year now since I've seen you. It's been over a year since we worked together at WestJet back in the day. And um, there... I met a lot of amazing people there. And when I share this about you, I don't diminish those other people. There's a handful that I cherish close to my heart. You know, there's Joe and there's Victor and there's you. And there's um, there's a real handful that are real close. And I just want you to know, Kuljeet, that that impact that you've had on me is 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 amazing too. And not only have you been able to be there for me when I ask questions about uh, Sikhi faith, um, or your celebration of Sikhi and the Sikh faith. That's probably better context. Um, I'm working hard to get that one right. Um, it has taught me that, um, that there's lots to learn and it can be a lot of fun while we do it. And so not yeah. only do I inherit a friend, I get to uh, inherit a lot of insight. So thank you for that. Hey man, listen, it's a, it's the same energy for me, man. Like, honestly, like, We've had an amazing time, time even working at WestJet. We might have not known each other for long during WestJet times, but honestly, the amount of times we've even hung out at WestJet has been amazing. You've probably been one of my favorite people to hang out with. Like, And you know that I don't hang out with a lot of people even at WestJet. I always used to be the one sitting in the corner just hanging out. So, yeah. I mean, it's just – it is what it is, right? It's just the energy's aligned, so I'm happy to be – one of your friends, man. A little insight into a young man who is growing up inside his faith. Sikh Heritage Month is all month in April. My invitation to everybody who's listening is to give that a go. And uh, here's a little clip of Kuljit Bambra, uh, Bambra and his singing uh, in Punjabi here on The Shift. <laughs> ਓ ਮੇਰੇ ਨਾਲ ਗੁੰਡਿਆਂ ਦੀ ਟੀਮ ਬਲੀਏ ਤੈਨੂੰ ਦੱਸ ਹੈਪੀ ਕਿੱਥੋਂ ਜੱਟ ਰੱਖ ਲੂ ਮੈਂ ਜੀ ਆਪ ਕਦਾ ਕਰੋਂ ਬਾਹਰ ਹੋ ਗਿਆ ਅੱਖਾਂ ਵਿੱਚ ਅੱਖਾਂ ਨਾ ਤੂਪਾ ਜੱਟ ਦੇ ਕੱਲ ਨੂੰ ਕਹੇਂਗੀ ਮੈਨੂੰ ਪਿਆਰ ਹੋ ਗਿਆ This is the Shift Podcast So in the conversation around properly saying names which is the biggest thing of my takeaway I think from this week I mean we started this conversation about Sikh history month uh with Gurdeep and what I've learned from all of these things is that I don't put a lot of effort into trying to say things the proper way and I think as a guy who grew up as a Canadian and uh doesn't really speak any other languages other than a little bit of French here and there I um I don't. I don't even put a lot of effort into, I think, even saying some f- French words properly. I have a coworker. Now I'm going to try this. Her name is Nitu Garcha. And um, now Nitu Garcha has been on the TV on the West Coast for a long time. And uh, Nita came out with this, this, this heart cleansing moment. And she's here to talk about that. This is another great conversation about... A Canadian-born kid grew up in Canada as Canadian as they come, 
but her family background has a lot of depth to it. And that really matters. Uh, Nita, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me and for having these important conversations, Shane. It means a lot to be able to delve into this further with you. So you had shared in in that video clip uh, that we just ran the audio piece from the story of the anglicized version of your name. Now, um, why is it important to you today to, because I like how you said that you said, I would rather you try than not try at all. So I don't know how I did, but um, why is it important that people try to pronounce the Punjabi pronunciation of your name? Oh, let me start off by saying you pronounced it perfectly and you pronounced Sikh perfectly and Punjabi perfectly. I'm very impressed and appreciate the effort you put into doing that because many of these sounds like the th in Nithu and the rolled R in my last name, Garcha, don't exist in the 26 letter English alphabet. These are sounds that are comprised of the Punjabi alphabet. So it's not easy, but today is, um, uh, of course, a very timely um time to be having this discussion with the verdict having come down in the George Floyd trial involving Derek Chauvin because it was really his horrific death and the civil rights movement that was sparked as a result of it that had me thinking a lot about my heritage and my identity and our platform here at Chorus um, and how the way we do what we do makes an impact on all those who are watching and um, I started to learn about how to become an ally to um, Indigenous friends, Black friends, Asian friends and part of that is pronouncing people's names correctly. So for me, my motivation was about me. I do identify more with me too than me too, but it was also about encouraging other people to be able to honor their true selves, no matter what that looks like, because that's an important part of being an ally and starting conversations about our heritage and identity. So that was why I chose now. And that was the reason behind this decision. It's, it seems unconventional, but a lot of people grapple with this. We've had some conversations on the shift before about our families and where we're from. And, and, um, I was having a, a conversation with Jesse Lipscomb and, um, we had said, you know, he said, but you, you know, your family's from, you know, Ireland, which it's not, it's sort of from Ireland and England and all those places. But he says, you, you have kind of a, uh, like a, a, um, a pin on a map. And, uh, for him, he doesn't have that. It's a it's a big melting pot of all these sort of different backgrounds. Now you 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 grew up as a Canadian, and but you do have this rich family history from another part of the world. Is that confusing as a kid? Because your folks are speaking a different language, your grandparents are speaking a different language, and you're walking up, you're coming home from school and going, "Sup, mom? What's happening?" It is so confusing. I remember at the end of field hockey practice when I was a child and I'd call my mom for a ride, I would switch back and forth between English and Punjabi and my friends would pick up everything I said because every fourth word was in English. They were like, okay, pick up, ride, home, after school. Okay, I got it. She's asking her mom for a ride. Um, it is definitely a neither here nor there situation where I feel so deeply connected to my Punjabi Sikh heritage and that community that I grew up in. But I also was born and bred, went through the Canadian public school system. I'm from the Okanagan. Um, I'm as Canadian as they come. Uh, so that's the beauty of this multilingual, multicultural country that we live in is that so many people are um, diverse in themselves, in, in their family lineage and their history. And uh, I think right now is a time where a lot of us are reflecting on what that means for us and how we really want to honor that part of ourselves instead of just conforming to an anglicized society is it cool being able to 
flip back and forth between languages like it's nothing. I mean, that must be kind of cool. I always admire that. I didn't think twice about it until growing up with primarily uh, English speaking friends, only English speaking friends started pointing it out as the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and so it really brought attention. I don't even think about it when I do it. I, yeah. I just flip back and forth naturally, um, but it is pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, so if you're a multi-language person, then when you think, what language do you think in? That's a great question. So I did my first ever Punjabi radio broadcast at Spice Radio recently. Um, it was about this topic and a few others, including the farmers protests in India. And my boss, who's a former broadcaster on Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi, gave me this advice. He said, you have to try and dream in Punjabi in order to be able to do that interview more effectively. So I actually think in English unless I'm about to public speak or MC a wedding or something in, in Punjabi, then I have to really train my mind to think as I go about my day, like, okay, now I'm going to get in my car. Now I'm going to pack up this lunch. Now I'm going to everything I think in mundane thoughts throughout the day, I try to make sure they're in Punjabi, mm. but naturally it's all in English. What's one of the coolest things. And I've asked this of everyone I've had this conversation with that um, other Canadians, because uh, you are Canadian, uh, need to understand about Punjabi culture in general, because I think that there are things that we don't, and I don't necessarily mean the culture because you didn't grow up in that region, but you've lived in it through your family. So what's one thing that Canadians, we're all better off if we took a little time to understand about, you know, folks whose families are from there. Absolutely. That's a great question. Thank you for asking that. The culture is very deeply tied to the religion, which is Sikhi. And one of the main um, parts of that is something called Ikamkar which means there is only one God, which essentially means we are all one, regardless of your faith, regardless of your background, regardless of your upbringing, we are all one. Um, so anybody is welcome into a Sikh temple called a Gurdwara, um, as long as you cover your head and respect the custom. So I think that's the biggest thing is that um, the culture and the religion, which are both so deeply tied to each other, are very much rooted in this belief that seva which is volunteer volunteering or just giving back um should happen to anybody regardless of of who you're standing in solidarity with regardless of their background uh nitu garcha is a broadcaster and has recently uh taken the step from the anglicized version of her name into uh you know the the heritage proper pronunciation Punjabi pronunciation of the name, which is really kind of cool because it's neat because you're, you're, you're Canadian and raised as a Canadian, but yet most people would go the other way and come up with a, an anglicized name to make it easier. And yet here you're going here. So it's been a couple of weeks now. It's been a couple of weeks since uh, Nitu went on vacation and Nitu, uh, Nitu came out. Uh, and living in your life. Is, have you learned anything about yourself since th this really happened? Have you found anything yet? You know, it's interesting. When I first made this announcement, childhood fears came roaring back. I felt like I was in elementary school again, worried about being made fun of or even bullied, which would never happen as, you know, adults working in a professional environment. And Chorus is so supportive of this change. Um, so are all my colleagues. But it's interesting. Our psyche is built from age zero to age seven. And I had so many fears growing up in a smaller town um, with very few other um, Indo-Canadians in my school, let alone my classroom. Um, so it was uh, an interesting experience for me to make 
this call, but since I've made the announcement and been embraced by people around the world, educators who are using this video in their classrooms to teach students and ask them, how would you like to be addressed? You know, allow young people to make that decision so early in their lives while their psyches are still being formed. Um, it's been incredible. I am just blown away by the impact this has had. And also it really made me realize that I do identify with me too. I really dislike me too. <laughs> and um, I don't mind if people butcher it, like it's okay, as long as they're trying, I, I'd rather them try to say me too, than say the anglicized version. It's, um, I think the gift that you've given me, and we talk about this stuff on the shift quite often. I think the gift you've given me might be a little different, but I'll phrase it this way. Sometimes we just need to be kind to the little boy or girl, but for me. Yeah. And often we don't look in the mirror. I was given, from my counselor, I was given uh, this exercise of, why don't you take that little boy for a walk one day and introduce him to your life and speak to this person uh, like they're real, like they exist and welcome uh, little boy Shane to your kids and to your work and to what you do and explain why you like it or why you don't like it. And so that's what I hear. I hear you being gentle to uh, little Nitu and saying, come on, little girl, hold my hand. Let me show you my life. You hit the nail on the head, Shane. It's inner child healing in a sense, being able to honor that part of me when I was five or younger just trying to fit in, but really wanting to keep my normal name and identity, but felt I couldn't now saying it's okay to be you. And I think hitting a core, striking a chord with a lot of people who can resonate with that, regardless of their background. Um, so many people conform in one way or another to try and fit in with others. And um, it feels so good to be authentically yourself and then to be embraced by others and supported by others as you do it. There's, it's so powerful. Nitu Gaucha. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's the Shift Podcast. And it is time to check in with what the hell should we watch this weekend? I'm Mr. Steve Stabbing. How are you, Steve? I'm doing okay. Am I coming in okay? Oh, you sound fantastic. Oh, yay. <laughs> okay, good. This is beautiful. So I have some go. bad news, uh, Steve. Uh-oh. I got uh we got the email from uh, uh out of Penticton uh for hockey camps and oh, they might have to postpone yeah. with everything going on so I'm not letting you buy me drinks here socially distance <laughs> on the beach in a few weeks. I know we were so close. We we're like weeks away from it too, right Shane? Yeah. Like the um, meeting of the minds. The, the meeting of the, the minds. Penticton Steve's summit. Steve lives right close to Skaha Beach in um, Penticton, and uh, that I this do. was exciting. It was going to be so great. There's hockey camps, and we were going to be there, and it was going to be fun. And, uh, you know, it's the right decision to hang off on those camps until this stuff gets – they haven't decided yet, but, you know, with it being a month away, um, probably the right time to just, you know, mm -hmm. slow the roll a little bit, And uh, but disappointed. Unless we get lucky. Maybe we get lucky. Maybe the slowdowns now clean things up enough. Fingers crossed. But um, since we can't talk about our party plans, let's talk about movies and TV shows. What do you say? Yes, let's uh, keep people indoors and, and watching stuff. Yeah. Um, we, uh, <laughs> I, 
Ryan challenged me, by the way, to oh. uh, to watch uh, Talladega Nights. I had never seen it. I did watch it. <laughs> um, it's very entertaining. Yo, uh, very. I wouldn't say it's great, but it's very entertaining. Uh, maybe it's a microcosm of the time, but uh, I mean, there was a stranglehold that uh, that John C. Riley and Will Ferrell hold, had over comedy for a little bit between that and mm-hmm. Step Brothers. So, uh, I mean, you've done the Talladega uh, and you're okay with it. So maybe you're ready for the Step Brothers. I don't know. I don't know if I can go that far. Um, let's get into the <laughs> let's get into the new stuff because Ryan's excited to hear the reviews of mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat. Throughout history, different cultures all over the world reference a great tournament of champions. That dragon marking? I think it's an invitation to fight for something known. Mortal Kombat. Well, is it as good as Ryan hopes it is? Well, I had the uh, I had the experience of watching it uh, earlier today, and I, I mean, at, when the credits rolled, I'm like, why couldn't they have done that before? Like that was awesome. Like <laughs> nice. that's exactly what I wanted. It's all the fan service that I wanted. Uh, I mean, the fatalities, they're there. Oh man, is there some brutal fatalities in this one? Um, and like, give me more. Like, please say that this is leading to a big, expansive Warner Brothers universe because I am so here for it. Me too. I mean, like, <laughs> Mortal Kombat is a really underrated way f- to have movies. You can do tournaments, you can do Save mm-hmm. the World, or and, and you can have a combination of mindless action, but also fighters overcoming their inner demons to become the ultimate bat fighter, and I love it. And also, brutal action. I, I watched yeah. a clip of the one of the Sub-Zero Scorpion fights, <laughs> and the thing I loved about it was no jump cuts. It seemed fluid and the moves looked like they were ripped right out of the video game. So it seems like it has faithful fighting while also like intelligent filmmaking behind it. Well, absolutely. I mean, the two guys behind those big ninjas are like Joe Taslam, who's like from the raid and uh, Hiroyuki Sonata, who has been in so much great stuff, including uh, the Wolverine. Uh, So it's killer action, lots of blood, lots and lots and lots of blood. So, yeah, it's all fun. And yeah, I enjoyed the heck out of it. I was off last week. Did we get a chance to tell uh, Steve about uh, Kyle Wyatt? The uh, we did not. I heard a little vaguely that uh, there was uh, there's a Mortal Kombat uh, related guest on the night before my episode. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Wyatt was the he was the young man from the commercial that voiced the commercial where Mortal Kombat, <laughs> and then they manipulated his voice to become all of the things. And he was on the show, and he's on cameo and stuff now. If you want to get a uh, yeah. clip from him, what a nice dude! And uh, it was <laughs> it was pretty cool to get the inside scoop of how that happened so accidentally. Steve Stebbing and stevestebbing.ca here on The Shift. What the hell should we watch this weekend? Tiny Tim, King for a Day.
Everybody thought that he was just a homeless guy who wandered into the club. I feel like someone from Mars coming to Earth. There's sexual ambiguity, political ambiguity, ethnic ambiguity. It's all ambiguous with Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim's on next. Uh, tell us about T- Tiny Tim, because whenever it's Burton, it's weird. Well, no, this, uh, it's, this it's not really Tim Burton. He just looks a heck of a lot oh, like Tim Burton. Uh, okay. So, yeah, that was a little my little red herring in there. Uh, but, yeah, this is a, a full-on biopic documentary about Tiny Tim, who is a, a falsetto singer who, uh, I mean, captivated a lot of audiences uh, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, I mean, he was married on uh, the Johnny Carson show, uh, in front of 45 million uh, Americans on television. He was just like this weird anomaly of a human being uh, that was a, a career born out of, of a lot of like fa- uh, inner family abuse and everything. And then fame went to his head in a weird way, like it generally does. But with somebody that's kind of um, odd in their persona already, it goes a little more skewed. So uh, this this film goes to a lot of darker corners than I really thought it would because it's all kind of narrated through uh diary entries that are read by weird al yankovic so it's just like an entry interesting dichotomy of a a documentary and very well told story of a guy i really didn't know a lot about uh and but then everyone knows the song right the tip through the tulips which is either like kind of like the sweet song or maybe you have like a weird creepy context with it it's a it's a it's a song that lives in a, a lot of different avenues yeah, it's interesting stuff. Okay, um, let's get into the Blu-rays and more of the dead stuff. Says <laughs> Steve <laughs> Dead. I mean, that's his Twitter account. Why not? The Mortuary Collection. Every corpse tells a story. It is our task to listen. So these are all stories about how people died. Some tales even I find too unsettling to recount. She's dead. You got to get that body out of your apartment. Keep your doors locked tonight and keep an eye out for crazies. Monsters! That's pretty cool. Yes, it is, isn't it? Wow, that's uh <laughs> so creepy. Like we if you're just if you've never if you're just joining us, you're new to the shift. Steve loves scary movies. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just they're for me, they're like, why? So <laughs> I always get a kick out of Steve's love for these movies. I, I, and I do, and I, I deeply love them. And this one actually skews to another like like, like little microcosm within my love for horror because this is an anthology horror, so it's a bunch of separate uh, stories that make up a whole about this creepy town that this that this mortuary uh, exists in. And uh, I, I mean, it's got this really cool '50s aesthetic to it. The stories are like original and very skewed, and it comes from a writer director named Ryan Spindell, who this is his. Uh, his feature debut, which is absolutely astounding because it's so well put together uh, and, and so original uh, and actually just cleaned up at the uh, Fangoria Awards, actually the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, which was just uh, this past weekend on Shutter. Chainsaw Awards, huh? <laughs> yeah, I want to win one. That'd be fun. <laughs> All right, next on the Blu-ray, The Violent Heart. I know about your sister. No, wait, wait, why, why isn't it a good idea? It just isn't. Because she's 18. The problem is that boy you were with. Daniel Harris. You know he went to jail? 
You want a good move? Is that it? He's a bad person because he went to jail. He's not a good person. No, no, no. I had enough of this proper challenge. Since when do you feel like you have to hide? I don't know, Dad. People hide relationships. All right. So tell us a little bit about the uh, about the violent heart. Yeah, this is a, a dark drama uh, about two people uh, finding themselves. One's a, uh, a a man that's uh, dealing with the death of his sister from 15 years earlier when he was a kid, uh, a murder that was never solved. And he uh, finds a kind of kindred soul in a, a teenage uh, a teenage senior uh, who is uh, basically kind of going through some identity issues, being the smart kid, trying to break out uh, of, of that kind of uh, umbrella. And it's uh, just like a really well-told story, um, really great performance by Giovanna Depo, who's the lead character in this one. He is just on a star on the rise between this and uh, HBO's The Watchmen. Uh, and it really surprised me about how uh, deep, this one goes uh, emotionally and everything with some really good twists and turns uh, towards the third act and stuff. So I was really surprised by this one. You can find it on VOD right now. One of the shows that I spent the last week or so watching was the serpent thoroughly enjoyed that show. It's a good show. Uh, it's very well shot. It's very well written based on true stories too. And there is a connection back to Canada on that one. Um, so I would recommend that. Uh, some other Netflix ideas from Steve Stebbing include Shadow and Bone. Is this true? Can you summon light? She's real. Our enemies threatened by your mere existence the whole world will be after you the prize is one million kruger all right tell us about it yeah i just started digging into this one and i think netflix is hoping that this becomes their big uh fantasy series because they even have the after show planned to launch on saturday morning for the people that's binged it all over yesterday and are looking for a little bit more uh, but basically, this uh, takes place in a, in a world where uh, something called the Shadow Fold has kind of cut the world in half. And it's like pretty much a, a uh, deadly area where these kind of like almost looks like the Lord of the Rings ring wraith things basically will uh, tear you up if you walk into it. And uh, it basically is the power struggle between two worlds uh, on either side as they try to uh, make sense of what this rift is. And then the one girl that has the quote unquote light that could break up this rift, uh, this fold. Uh, And I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm about two or three episodes in now and I'm really liking it. Uh, Hopefully it can hold on to be a a big finish because this is the first book in a trilogy in a trilogy of books from uh, author Leia Bardugo. So, yeah, I I mean, so far, so good. Is it the next Game of Thrones? Too early to tell. All right. Um, I want to touch on this one just quickly so we get to the geek out. Life in Color with David Attenborough. Animals can use color for all kinds of different reasons. Whether to win a mate or beat a rival, to warn off an enemy or to hide from one. To understand how these colors work, you need to see them from an animal's perspective. The new cameras developed especially for this series Now we can. 
I love these kinds of, you know, info documentaries mm. because they just show such crazy perspective on, on the beasts of the world. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a huge nature buff. Uh, I love all of them, but the ones that I'm really drawn to are the ones that are narrated by uh, David Attenborough, uh, because he just has this calming gravitas that, that I, I just, I love learning and listening to what he has to say. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's an embarrassment, embarrassment of riches right now because there's this life in color on Netflix. There's also another new one with David Attenborough that's on uh, Apple plus as well. Uh, and, the only thing is when he shuffles on the screen in the first five minutes, of the first episode, you're like, oh, yeah, he's like mid to late 80s now. Like he's getting on. But his voice is still got that. He's got like it brings even more to it. Yeah, because yeah. he's older. It brings so much more to it. It's cool. Yeah, I, I love to hear it. All right. We got to be quick here. Steve's Blu-ray geek out is Dark Web Cicada 3301. You drop 50 cents, equating to what, 0.593% on a bill that's $84.31? That's just not fair, man. You're some kind of walking calculator freak. I never meant for things to turn out the way they did. 50 cents, So I cyber-stopped the guy. All right, so tell us a little bit about Dark Web Cicada. This movie is a little bit of everything. It's a it's a cyber thriller about hackers and the dark web and all that kind of stuff. It's a comedy a little bit. It's a it's like a, a mystery of like what the hell is going on, but it all kind of culminates in such an interesting and really darkly comedic way that kind of worked for me, honestly. All right, you can check it all out. Uh, if you go to stevestebbing.ca, the blog is there. Steve will dead on the Twitter. Uh, it's nice to see you. It's been a couple weeks, Steve, so I'm really glad yeah. that you're here, buddy. Thank you. It's been good to see you, man. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.